Well, the calendar has now flipped to the 11th month of the year. And we still have the World Series going on. College football going into week 10 with new college football rankings coming out this week. Uh, NFL is halfway done. Got NBA in full swing. College basketball just around the corner. Uh, Hockey underway, man. I'm enjoying sports so much right now. Just so much going on, so much to keep up with. So let's... uh, Cover college football this week, uh, go through the rankings a little bit, talk about that, you know, get to the NFL weekly predictions, go through the NFL trade deadline, which was this week also a ton of moves going down, which you don't really see in the NFL very much. The thing I've noticed is the NFL, it's kind of becoming like uh, the NBA where you just see a ton of a ton of transactions and deals made for players, which. was very, very rare in the past. So this is kind of a new age of deal-making going on in the NFL. But first up, let's talk about college football. Um, so the new playoff rankings, the first playoff rankings of the season came out from the committee, and the top 10 is as follows. So at number one, the 8-0 Tennessee Volunteers, followed by Ohio State, uh, Georgia 3, Clemson rounds out the top four. Uh, Michigan at five, Alabama six, TCU seven, Oregon eight, USC nine, and the LSU Tigers round out the top 10. So um, the committee must really be impressed with Tennessee. And I mean, why wouldn't they? They've uh, they've handled their business so far. Now they got Georgia coming up tomorrow, and that's going to be one, one heck of a game. And uh, those tickets are... $500 if you want to get in. Like, that's the cheapest, that game. In, but anyway, I'll get to that in a second. Um, so Ohio State's number two. They've run the their schedule in the Big Ten, no problem. You really won't see the true Ohio State until they play Michigan, really, because every year they just seem to take care of business, and once they get to Michigan, that's their true litmus test. And then really their opponent in the Big Ten championships really not as good as Michigan. Um, so if Ohio State beats Michigan, then they're probably in the playoff. Uh, Georgia, you know, definitely is playing strong this year. They have a really, really good defense. Stetson Bennett's playing great uh, for the most part. Um, he hasn't been lighting the world on fire necessarily like he did toward the end of last year, but uh, he's been a steady hand for Georgia through their ups and downs this season, and the Bulldogs still stand at 8 no and in a position to make the playoff, no doubt. Now, with the Clemson Tigers, they have looked quite shaky in a few of their games, especially against Syracuse at home uh, and again, in their last game as well, where they they had to make a QB swap with Kate Humanick uh, in place of DJ Uagale. So, in my opinion, Clemson is not as strong um, as the committee thought. Now, of course... Michigan right below them, they haven't, I mean, their one good one, I think, is against Penn State, and that's about it. Other than that, they they played a cupcake schedule, and Bama's one loss, of course, is to the top-ranked full, so um, who knows? Maybe for Bama, it'd be best for Tennessee to beat Georgia, and then once Bama meets Tennessee in the SEC championship, then uh, they can settle that deal there. Uh, 
maybe get their revenge. Who knows? Now a TCU. So they're going through the Big 12 gauntlet, and the Big 12 has had the most parity of any Power Five conference this season. Um, everybody can just beat anybody, anybody. Even last place Iowa State has given every one of their opponents fits in the Big 12. And TCU has just managed to rise above the rest in that conference, and they're in position to run the table, and they will have a good argument uh, to make the playoff. Now, obviously, a few things will probably have to happen in their favor. Um, they probably want Tennessee to lose at least two games. Um, they want Alabama to lose, obviously. Once Alabama loses again, I think they have no chance of making the playoff. Um, no matter when it is, uh, Clemson losing would be a great help as well because Clemson straight, the schedule is just really, really bad. Actually, I think the worst among the top seven right now, actually in the top 10. Uh, so Clemson really has no room for error, even though they're still undefeated. So if those things fall together, then TCU will have a chance if they win out, go undefeated and win the big 12 championship. Now, uh, the next three teams, Oregon, USC, and LSU. LSU just has to have a ton of chaos. They have to win out, uh, win the SEC championship, and that starts by beating Bama this weekend. Um, but their chances of making the playoff are very low, and I don't see that happening. Now, for the two Pac-12 teams, Oregon and USC, um, you know, USC's loss is to uh, Utah on the road. And Oregon's one loss was, again, the first week of the season, but it was a 49-3 schlacking at the hand of Georgia. So, um, yeah, the USC loss looks better. And from a national entertainment point of view, USC would probably be the better choice to get more West Coast eyes on the playoff, even though Oregon's been absolutely dominant since that Georgia loss. Um, USC would just... In reality, I think they're the more talented team, and they would draw the most eyeballs uh, to the playoff um, as much as Oregon has had success this year. And I think part of the the way that the committee puts these rankings together, I'm not an inside expert or anything. I'm just speculating. There's a guy with a microphone. But, you know, it's about ratings too because, you know, ESPN is paying for this. So they're going to want a lot of eyeballs. And I think a lot more fans, whether they're, uh, on the West Coast or national, they know the USC brand more a little bit than Oregon. Oregon's no, Oregon's not a no-name school, but USC is just kind of that powerhouse that everybody um, just kind of thinks of whenever they're discussing the powers of the sport, although USC hasn't really been a power uh, for a decade plus in the sport. So that's my take kind of on the top 10 in the playoffs. Obviously, there's a lot that's going to happen over the next month between now and championship weekend. But uh, now we kind of get a, get an idea of where the teams stand and what the playoff committee thinks of them. Um, you know, they're going to look, it's going to look different probably next week and the week after and all the weeks after that. So we'll just have them play it out on the field. And then the committee will keep churning out the rankings week after week. All right, so let's get to the games this weekend now. So the two marquee matchups of the weekend, no doubt, are in the SEC and the cream of the crop. The absolute best game, arguably the best game of the season this year, is number one Tennessee 
taking on number three Georgia in Athens. Uh, like I said earlier, cheapest tickets for this game to get into Samford Stadium are $500. Um, that tells you something that um, it could be a special atmosphere, even bigger than the Tennessee-Bama game we had a couple weeks ago. Um, this is for all the marbles really in the SEC East, and the winner of this game will pro- probably play Alabama in the SEC title game in December, but that's a different story for another day. This game, both teams come in 8-0 overall, 4-0 in the SEC. Uh, the Bulldogs, the Georgia Bulldogs, are eight-point favorites in this game with the over-under set at 67, and the game kicks off uh, Saturday afternoon at 2.30 p.m. on CBS. So some notes about this game. The Georgia Bulldogs, they've won five straight versus Tennessee. And I believe the last time that they played last year, Georgia won, I think, 55-3. to So it wasn't even close. But that this is a much different Tennessee team, I'll tell you that. Um, especially on the offensive side. Um, Hinden Hooker, he has put himself firmly at or near the front or of the Heisman Trophy conversation He's done everything that that um, Josh Heupel could have asked him to, and then some. Putting up huge numbers, hooking up with Jalen Wyatt so often on the outside as a receiver, playing so smart, um, making great decisions. He can he can throw to all three levels with ease. Um, this Tennessee offense is humming. Now, though, here's the thing. The Georgia defense is far, far better than the Tennessee defense. That is just a fact. Uh, the numbers back that up. The Tennessee defense is ranked in the eighties and the Georgia defense is giving up only 10 and a half points per game, which is uh third best in the FBS. And honestly, the Georgia running game too, they could have a big day against the Tennessee rush defense. Cause they're not known to be the best they're okay but uh and Stetson Bennett too if he can hook up with uh Brock Bowers and Washington the tight ends for Georgia um the Georgia Bulldogs have a formula to win this game because the Tennessee secondary is not a strong one itself and even though Georgia lost so much after winning the national championship to the NFL draft uh earlier this year they have just reloaded. Kirby Smart has his guys playing at a very, very high level. Um, you know, at one point during the season a few weeks ago, people thought it was Georgia and everybody else. Well, now, I mean, that's not the case anymore, but they're still a pretty darn good team. Um, so with that being said, the odds makers, they think, you know, just combined with Georgia's much better defense, you know, the Athens home atmosphere for Georgia um, Stetson Bennett, uh, have having big game experience, you know, playing in the national championship, uh, and more last year, even though Hinden hooker in Tennessee will put up numbers. I still think Georgia will put together game plan, game plan to slow down Tennessee's offense just enough. I see Tennessee putting up at least, at least 30 points, but, uh, I think Georgia's going to pull it out in the end. Um, I, I just think Georgia is the better team overall and combine that with the home atmosphere, the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, will beat the Tennessee volunteers, uh, and 
step into the driver's seat in the SEC East, uh, moved to nine and zero, and will be in prime position to uh, play in the SEC championship. And I think it, there's going to be some points scored. So my score prediction for this game is Georgia 37, uh, Tennessee 30. So it's right at the over-under number, kind of a push. Um, but an absolutely banger of a game to watch. I'm going to watch every second in this game tomorrow. It's going to be absolutely fun to watch. Uh, one of the best games of the season, arguably the best game of the season, coming up tomorrow. Number one, Tennessee at number three, Georgia. In the other marquee game of the weekend, uh, we're sticking in the SEC. As I mentioned, number six, Alabama, going on the road to take on number 10, LSU. Uh, this game kicks off in Death Valley, 6 p.m. on ESPN, ESPN Saturday night. Uh, the Crimson Tide come in at 7-1, and 4-1 in conference. Uh, they lost, obviously, to Tennessee. And LSU coming in at 6-2, and 4-1 conference. The over-under set at 56 and a half. So Alabama is favored by 13 and a half. So um, the odds makers really think that just that Bama's talent's going to win out. Um, and I mean, th- they're correct to assume so because Bama is coming into this game sporting a top 10, top 15 total defense, which is something that uh, Jaden Daniels, the LSU quarterback, has not played, has not faced uh, in the opposition all year. So this is going to be his toughest test yet. Now, speaking of Jaden Daniels, this entire season, he's been doing pretty good. He's thrown 20 touchdowns, only has one interception. And and Brian Kelly, he has done a great job establishing his culture much earlier than I anticipated because in the offseason, his shenanigans with his dancing and his press conferences, it looked really, really awkward him trying to fit in Baton Rouge. But, you know, his results on the field just make up for any of that awkwardness uh, being six and two. No one thought LSU was going to be this good this quickly under Brian Kelly. Um, but here they are at six and two and they're hosting. They're hosting Bama at home as a top 10 team. Now getting back to Bama though, they have won 10 of the last 11 games versus the Tigers. And the one game in the last 11 years that the tide lost was in 2019 uh, to Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, that all-time LSU team that won 15-0, won the national championship, kind of LSU's flash in the pan when the stars aligned and everybody was just world beaters on that team. That was the only time in the past 11 years that LSU beat Bama. And I think Nick Saban, he he has experience. Um, the Death Valley environment's not going to really phase him at all. Um, he's been in too many big games to really be phased by that. Uh, Jameer Gibbs will give great balance to the Alabama offense. And at some point, Bryce Young, um, he's, you know, ever since that Arkansas game where he, uh, at the beginning of October, where he uh, sprained his AC joint, I believe he he has to be close to or back to full health at this point. Um, There's really no indication that he isn't. So with all that being said about this game, Bama is going to win. and honestly, I think they are going to cover the spread. Um, so that's just my gut feeling. I think Bryce Young's going to put up some great numbers. Uh, and LSU, they they might honestly get get overwhelmed a little bit um, on the offenses. You know, I don't know if their offense can keep up 
with Alabama's offense. That's just, I think that's the big difference in this game. I, Bama just has the better offense. So Bama went this game and they will cover the, cover the 13 and a half point spread in Tiger Stadium. Okay, getting away from the SEC now, going over to the East Coast and the ACC. We have number 21, Wake Forest, four-point favorites on the road at number 22, NC State. Um, the over-under for this game is 54, and it kicks off at 7 o'clock tomorrow night on ACC Network. Both teams come in 6-2 and two overall, 2-2 two and two in conference. Um, Wake Forest, they had a terrible game last week, and Sam Hartman had uh, six turnovers in their loss, just in a abysmal showing for uh for uh for wake force they just did not stand a chance and louisville just hung a th- 35 spot on them in the third quarter um and and wake could not recover from that so but the good news for them is they are favored and the reason for that is nc state is on their third string quarterback um and I, I, after you get your butt kicked like that, I just think Wake Forest is going to get up. They're hungry to get back up and go, go out and get the win. I will say NC State is a very tough home environment to play, playing the Wolfpack have won 15 in a row at home. Uh, one of the more underrated environments, I think, in, in the sport that doesn't get a lot of uh, national attention like some places do, but again, very tough place to play given their 15 game home winning streak. And the Wolfpack also, they have a top two ACC defense, um, which could bode trouble for Sam Hartman, but I trust him to bounce back, and I'm going to get take Wake Forest in a close game, uh, but the Demon Deacons should bounce back against uh, NC State. Okay, next up you have number four Clemson at Notre Dame, Saturday night uh, in South Bend, 6.30 p.m. Central is the kickoff on NBC. Tigers come in at rank number four. Uh, eight no on the season. Notre Dame is five and three on the year. The over under for this game is forty four. Clemson favored by three and a half. Clemson, I'll start off with them. They've won fourteen overall, fourteen games in a row. Although some of them have been very close, and they should have lost a couple of those games. Who is going to start for Clemson now? Is it going to be Kate Kate Humanek or is it going to be JJU? I don't know. Um, I think back um, a couple years ago, whenever Trevor Lawrence and Clemson came in and Lawrence had to miss the game because I think he tested positive for COVID. And then DJU came in and honestly had one of the best, if not the best game of his collegiate career in South Bend. Um, So maybe he kindles some of that magic. I don't know, but Clemson's uh, form, they need to have some balance in the rushing tack and they do with Will Shipley. But the Notre Dame defense um, is a defense that is known to stop the run. So I think uh, Marcus Freeman and them are going to make Clemson's QB, whoever it is, beat them from the pocket. I think Clemson wins, but it's going to be a very close game. It'll probably come down to the last possession and a field goal for the Tigers. I'm going to go with them, but it's going to be a super, super close game in South Bend. Next game up, uh, 17 North Carolina, number 17 North Carolina, touchdown favorite on the road at Virginia. Um, early kickoff 11 a.m. Central on ACC Network. Um, the Tar Heels, 7 1. Mac Brown's done a great job with them this year. Um, Drake May, 
if he gets a Heisman invite, he most definitely deserves it. He's been lighting the world on fire this year. Um, but North Carolina's defense is kind of not great. They're one of the worst defenses in the sport. Um, but I don't trust Virginia really to put up much of a fight, though, offensively. So I'm going to pick North Carolina to get the dub and cover the cover the touchdown spread quite easily. Um, Syracuse is going on the road to take on Pitt at 2.30 p.m. Central tomorrow on ACC Network. The Panthers are four-point favorites in this game with the over-under set at 48. The Orange, they have stumbled a little bit, losing two straight uh, to the to Clemson and Notre Dame. Uh, Pitt comes in at 4-4. Four and four. I will say the Panthers, under Pat Narducey, against the Orange, they are 6-1, and one, so they definitely have Dino Babers in Syracuse's numbers, and Syracuse is coming down with injuries. Um, Israel Bonaconda, I think he can, if he breaks off some big plays and can spell Keenan Slovis a little bit at the quarterback spot, then Pitt has its formula to win the game. So I'm going to go with Pitt in kind of an upset of sorts. They're favored, but they're unranked against a ranked opponent. So I'm going to go with the Pitt Panthers at home against the Syracuse Orange. All right, and now scooting over to the Big 12, we have the number four, number 24 Texas Longhorns. Uh, as two and a half point favorites on the road in man in uh, the Little Apple to take on the number thirteen Kansas State Wildcats, and this game kicks off uh, at six p.m. Uh, Central on ESPN. No, at on Fox Sports One. Excuse me, not ESPN Fox Sports One. So the Wildcats they come in in six and two, um, and I don't know. I just I'm going to pick Kansas State to win, and here's why. I think Manhattan's a very tough environment to play in, especially at night. Um, Texas has lost five straight road games. They're just not this. They just haven't been the same on the road. Quinn Ewers, in his last road game against uh, Oklahoma State, just made a ton of mistakes, and he has really yet to prove that he can win a true road game. Uh, B. John Robinson, he's super talented. But uh, Kansas State will probably zero in on him. He'll he'll probably get a hundred yards or so, but he's not going to go for two hundred and three touchdowns, like something astronomical or insane. Um, and Texas, they're just inconsistent. They can't maintain leads. They've shown that repeatedly this season, and I just trust K State, their coaching and their teamwork. Deuce Fawn should be able to get some numbers up. We'll see whoever plays quarterback for Kansas State, whether it's Adrian Martinez or his backup, they'll make plays, and I'm going to pick the Wildcats in an upset of sorts. Um, High-ranked team, but dogs at home. I'm going to take the dogs at home. Uh, Texas Tech at TCU. Um, So TCU, number 7, 8-0 overall, 5-0 in the conference. Early kickoff tomorrow, 11 a.m. on Fox. Um, Max Duggan. 3-0 3-0 in his career versus Texas Tech. It's time for T- TCU to put up some, some style points if they really want to impress the committee and make a case for uh, their team to get in, get close to the playoff. Now, TCU's 89th total defense, um, they could give up some points and yards to Texas Tech. This could be a classic Big 12 you know, shootout, back-and-forth offensive, offensive shootout. But TCU, in the end, they're going to 
come out on top with the dub. Um, Oklahoma State at Kansas. Um, the Cowboys have won H have tw- have won twelve straight versus the Jayhawks. The Jayhawks, after their that five and zero start, they've lost three in a row and just have not had the same juice they had early on in the season. Um, game kicks off tomorrow at two thirty p.m. on FS1, um, preceding the K State game and K State and Texas game. Uh, Oklahoma State. I think they have the talent on offense under Spencer Sanders to bounce back. So I'm going to pick the Cowboys to win on the road in Lawrence. And then moving up to the big 10, we have number two, Ohio state 38 point favorites on the road at Northwestern 11 AM central on ABC, Ohio state number two in the rankings at eight. No Northwestern is a pitiful one and seven this year. Um, just give you a big numbers difference. And that's all I'll say about this game. Uh, Ohio state is scoring nearly 49 points per game, which is second in FBS. Northwestern is scoring 18 points per game, which is 120th in the FBS. So, yeah, Ohio State will win, and they will win convincingly against the Wildcats. No chance for Northwestern. Uh, Number five, Michigan, 26-point favorites against Rutgers on the road. Um, Michigan, I think, needs some style points as well, but their defense is absolutely spectacular. 11 and a half points per game allowed third in FPS. Actually, Georgia's number two in the country FPS. I misspoke earlier. They were third. Um, they're second to and Michigan is third. And Jim Harbaugh has beat Rutgers all seven times that he's played them. And the Wolverines will have no issue with Rutgers in this game. So I'm going, going to go with uh maize and blue to get the dub here. And then Penn state two touchdown favorites on the road against the Indiana Hoosiers at 2.30 p.m. in the afternoon on ABC. Um, Penn State's uh, running game should rule the day in this game, and their defense as well should get after Connor Bazelak and the Indiana offense. So Penn State gets the win on the road. Number 17, Illinois, quite the surprise team in the country this year. They are allowing an FBS best only 8.9 points per game. Very impressive by Brett Bielema and the fighting Illini. Um, and hence why they're the number one defense in the Big Ten and one of the best defenses in the country. Um, they host the Michigan State Spartans at 2.30 p.m. tomorrow on Big Ten Network. Um, Michigan State has had a very disappointing season, not what they paid Mel Tucker $95 million or some $90 million plus to be this year. Illinois will win and cover the 17-point spread in this game. No trouble for the Illini. Moving out west, finally, to the Pac-12. Number eight, Oregon, 31 half point favorites on the road at Colorado. Oregon coming in ranked number eight, seven and one overall, five and zero in in conference. Colorado one and seven overall. Like the Ohio State game, uh, Colorado, I see no chance. Uh, Bo Nix has 18 total touchdowns in his last four games, and the Oregon big play offense is just going to absolutely destroy the Colorado Buffaloes. And Cal at number nine, USC, kind of the same story. Late kickoff tomorrow night, 9.30 p.m. on ESPN Central Time, 10.30 on the on the East Coast. Trojans are 7-1. This is a chance for them to put up some style points. Caleb Williams this year, um, total 24 touchdowns, only one interception. USC's defense did give up 500 yards to Arizona last week, but Cal doesn't have that an explosive of an offense compared to Arizona, so USC gets the dub at home on Saturday night. 
UCLA at Arizona State, another late kickoff tomorrow, 9.30 p.m. on FS1. UCLA has won 10 of its last 11 games, of course, losing to uh, Oregon last week, but I think they'll bounce back, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson will continue his stellar play. Arizona at Utah. Utah is 17.5-point favorites. I think Jaden Deloria will put up some numbers. Utah will win going away with Cam Rising, but Arizona will keep it close and in the number under the 17.5 points. Tulane beats Tulsa with their top 25 defense. UCF against Memphis. Uh, UCF should win. Uh, Florida at Texas A&M. Early kickoff tomorrow on ESPN 11 a.m. Central here in town at Kyle Field. Connor Wagnon, he played very, very well statistically. Um, putting up over 350 yards, or almost 350 yards, I think, in four touchdowns against Ole Miss. Even though AM lost, he still showed a lot of promise. Um, he is the future of the AM program. And uh, against Florida, he is much better as a quarterback, even though um, uh, Anthony Richardson has played much more than Wyman. Wyman's just the far better quarterback. Um, and AM's favorite in home, too, so they will win. They should win, finally. Um, it's terrible to see them lose like this. And then Florida State and Miami. So Florida State, ACC school kind of lurking in the above-average tier in that conference, and Miami a super disappointing season under Manny Diaz. So the Seminoles should get the win on the road. Okay, guys, next up, moving to the NFL. Let's get it. All right, we'll kick off week nine on the professional gridiron with the Buffalo Bills taking on the New York Jets in the Big Apple. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, 11 and a half point favorites on the road. Early kickoff noon on CBS Sunday. Over under is set at 46. Um, Bills looking like the best team in the game. Um, the Jets just have some quarterback issues right now. Zach Wilson has the second lowest QB ready QB rating in the league. Um, it'll be fun to see the Stefan Diggs versus sauce Gardner matchup Gardner matchup. That's going to be one of the few uh, eye candies in this game, but that means if Stefan Diggs is going to try and get blanketed, even though he'll get his Gabe Davis is going to have a great game. Um, and Josh Allen will put up his numbers, do his thing. And the bill should have no, Trouble winning versus the New York Jets on the road. Next up is the Colts and the Patriots. Uh, another noon kickoff on CBS. Um, Patriots, they'll win. And the reason why is Bill Belichick against young quarterbacks. He hardly ever loses. Um, now, if they're mobile, like Justin Fields was, that's a different case. But Sam Ellinger is not super, super mobile. And also the Colts have lost six straight on the road versus the Pats in Foxborough. Um, the Patriots will do just enough to get back over 500. Um, but I don't see them blowing out the Colts by any means. Um, next up, the Dolphins taking on the Bears in Chicago. Dolphins come in as four and a half point favorites. Toga Tagovailoa has played absolutely wonderful this year. Um, he has the best passer rating in the NFL at 112.7. Um, the Dolphins are undefeated whenever he starts and finishes game. They're 5-0 with him. 
and Owen three without him. Uh, he is, he is proven a lot of his doubters wrong. Like he doesn't have the arm. He can't be that franchise quarterback. He's just doing, doing great. And this new offense under Mike McDaniel. Yeah. Um, good for him. And the dolphins getting Bradley Chubb in a trade. That's going to boost their passing game in certain situations. Now, on the, other, on the other side for the Bears, we know what they try to do. They try to run the ball. They don't try and out-throw you with Justin Fields. Um, they did acquire Chase Claypool from the Steelers also uh, to help with the pass game, but Chase Claypool I do not think is the long-term superstar answer to the Bears' uh, receiver core problems. Um, and I just think the Dolphins, they're more talented on both sides of the ball. Um, it's weird to say that because the Bears typically have a very talented defense, but just the Dolphins are a better team overall. So I'm going to pick the Dolphins to win and cover on Sunday in Chicago. Raiders at Jaguars. A pitiful game that I don't really care about. Um, it's due, It's time for the Raiders to win on the road, so I'm just going to go with them. They're favored by two, so why not just take the favorites on the road in a meaningless game? Uh, Chargers. At Falcons, so new kickoff on Fox is this game. You would think that Justin Herbert would have a lot more uh, long passes down the field with his big right arm, but he is only 27th in the league in yards per, per attempt at six and a half. So surprising. And the Chargers' rush defense is very bad. They are allowing 5.7 yards per rush. That is by far the worst in the league. And with the Falcons, I mean, with Tyler Algier playing better as of late, and, you know, Marcus Mariona can make plays with his legs, uh, Cordero Patterson, like, this this is going to be a super close game. Um, I'm just, I'm going to go with the Falcons in the upset at home. They're, the Falcons are in first place in the NFC South, and Arthur Smith has that team doing some good things, some nice things. And they could have, they could honestly have a better record if a few of their other games broke their way. But regardless, I just, I, my gut says that they're gonna, they're gonna find a way against the Chargers and and hold down the uh, rushing attack of Austin Eckler and Herbert's downfield passing. So, give me the Falcons in an upset at home as a dog. Now, the Panthers take on the Bengals in Cincinnati, and the Bengals have to be absolutely kicking themselves after they got their ass kicked by the Browns on Monday Night Football. Um, Jamar Chase was a huge absence for them. I Do I still think Joe Burrow can put up numbers? Yes, but definitely with Jamar Chase out for a few more weeks, it's going to be imperative that Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and the rest of the Bengals offense uh, gets kind of in line and, and pulls their weight more. Um, it is a get right, get right game for them because the Panthers, they're one of the worst teams in the league this year. PJ Walker, he played better last week, but Carolina's kind of throwing the towel on the season. They've, they also have a seven game gate, seven game load road losing streak. The Panthers do. So I don't see any way that they, they beat the Bengals on Sunday. So Cincinnati gets back on track winning and goes back over 500. This next game should be a little interesting. The Minnesota Vikings are field goal favorites on the road at the Washington Commanders, who 
who are four and four and on a three game winning streak under Taylor Heineke of all people, Taylor Heineke. He just, he's playing smart football. The commander's defense is taking the ball away, shutting down opposing offenses. Um, and you know, this is going to be their toughest test in a while. The commanders, because the Vikings come in at six and one, uh, the offense with Kirk cousins, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and, the new addition of TJ Hawkinson. And of course you have Dalvin cook, one of the better running backs out of the backfield, the Vikings, they're going to get theirs. Um, also it's an early game. So Kirk Cousins should put up some points. Um, and the Vikings, I should point out in one possession games this year, they out of their seven games, five of them have been one possession games and they have won every single one of them. So if this game is down, if, if it's a close game in the fourth quarter, I trust the Minnesota Vikings to get the job done. And I'm going to pick the road favorite. I'm, I just think Minnesota is going to keep winning, and they are bound to win the NFC North. It'll be a miracle. It would be a miracle if they gave up that division lead. And if they were to give up that division lead, it would probably be to the Green Bay Packers, who are 3-5. and five, But that's that's uh, a pipe dream at this point for the Packers. Um and speaking of them, they're three and a half point favorites against the Lions in Detroit. Um, this is a get right game for the Packers. Um, in in his last four games versus the Lions, Aaron Rodgers has 11 touchdowns and no interceptions. So plus you add the Lions and their almost non-existent defense, one of the worst defenses in the league and arguably one of the worst defenses of all time. There's the Packers, I think this is a big game for Aaron Jones out of the backfield, hoping to because he's on my fantasy team. And Aaron Rodgers, like I think he can pick the Detroit defense apart rather easily. So I'm going with the Lions. Or no, I'm going with the Packers. Excuse me. Um, Lions don't have a chance. Seahawks at Cardinals. So this is the one in 305 game on Fox. Um the Seahawks and Geno Smith, Pete Carroll, that that team is just that is super smart. Five and three. Everyone thought they were going to be a basement dweller in the NFC and the NFC West, but they have surprised everybody. And um, Geno Smith is front runner for comeback player of the year. Leads the NFL in completion percentage. Um, their running backs are getting the getting the job done. And on the other side for the Cardinals. You know, DeAndre Hopkins is back, so Kyler Murray's building that chemistry back up with him for the past couple games, and Rondale Moore has kind of emerged as that secondary go-to receiver. Um, Instead of just taking some short passes, he's been getting some long throws. Um, I will say Kyler Murray is 5-14 and in his career versus the NFC West, so he's going to have to um, he's going to have to put up some numbers in this game. I don't know. I just the Seahawks, they've been clicking and I just I think they're going to get the get the job done. So I'm going to go with the road road underdogs in the Seahawks. And then the 325 game on CBS this Sunday is the 3 and 4 Rams and the 3 and 5 Buccaneers. Um who would have thought that these two teams who um won the these two teams who have won the last two Super Bowls um who would have thought that both of them would be under 500 in week nine? Um, I certainly did not. And hardly anyone else did either. Um, 
But this is a game where the Buccaneers get right. Tom Brady is still a prolific passer, even over 40 years, 45 years old. Just he puts up his numbers. I'll, I'll give him that. And the Rams offensive line, one of the worst in the league. And against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive front, one of the best units on that side of the ball. Just um, it's going to be a long day for Matthew Stafford. And he needs he needs to get away from just targeting Cooper Cup 20 times a game. He needs to find Allen Robinson and other weapons. Otherwise, it's just going to be easy, easy for the Buccaneers to just pin their ears back. They could drop seven into coverage or eight even and get pressure with three or four. And Matthew Stafford is not a very mobile quarterback, and it's going to be a long day for the Rams. So the Buccaneers, they're going to win and cover the three-point spread at home in Tampa Bay. All right, moving to the primetime games now. Sunday night football should be a great game this week. The 5-2 and two Tennessee Titans on a five-game winning streak um, taking on the 5-2 and two Kansas City Chiefs, who are 12-and-a-half-point favorites at Arrowhead Stadium on uh, Sunday night. 7.20 p.m. Central kick on NBC. Um, during the Titans' five-game winning streak, Derrick Henry has averaged 130 rushing yards per game. He is more, looking more like King Henry as the season has gone along. But the Chiefs are favored for a big reason because um, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football and Malik Willis can't hold a candle to him. And Andy Reid, after a bye, is 20-3, and three, one of the best coaches of all time after a bye. Um, and the Chiefs' offense is super just – they can do it all. They can run it. They can throw it. They can beat you anyway. Um, trick plays, straight plays, whatever you want to do in offense. They just they just pick you apart. And the Chiefs' defense, their rushing defense has been one of the best in the league so far. I still think with Derrick Henry's volume, the Titans can keep it close. But I still think the Chiefs win this game by at least 10 points. So I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs at home on Sunday night. And then the Monday night game is the Baltimore Ravens at the New Orleans Saints in the Superdome. Um Kicks off at 7.15 on ESPN. Um, I don't know. With the Saints, they're at home. The Superdome has a pretty good home home field advantage. Alvin Kamara has uh, been coming back and putting up some numbers um, and getting the offense going with Andy Dalton. Um, the Ravens' problem this year, they just have not maintained their fourth-quarter leads. They've blown games against the Bills, against the Giants, and they... I, I still don't trust them. Even though they beat the Buccaneers, I still don't think that they're necessarily world beaters and and they can put teams away consistently. And the Saints' defense, um, they have some talent in spots, their secondary and their defensive front and their linebacking core. And at home, the Saints play pretty well. So I'm just going to go with the Saints in an upset. Um, yeah. The, the Ravens have not, like I said, the Ravens have not shown me that they have, they can be consistent. And I, I think the Saints are still, they're still hungry to get back on track with the season. Um, and I think they can do that against the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, so now let's go through some trades, some numerous trades that went down at the, the NFL trade deadline. Uh, like I said at, at the beginning, just. Tons of transactions, unlike most years that we've seen in the in the league. So, 
First up, Bradley Chubb traded from the Broncos to the Dolphins, and he signed a five-year extension worth $119 million. Um, Bradley Chubb will do very nice opposite Jalen Phillips, and uh, the Miami pass rush is good to go for the rest of the season. Big pickup for the Dolphins. Um, Calvin Ridley traded the Jaguars from the Falcons to the Falcons in return, get a 2023 fifth round and a 2024 conditional fourth round. Calvin Ridley, of, cor of course, is suspended at least through the remainder of the season for this season entirely due to him betting on games, gambling. So we'll see if he comes back next year with the Jaguars. Uh, running back Naheem Himes traded to the Bills from the Colts, so the Bills get a great pass-catching tight end to go with their offense attack. In return, the Colts get running back Zach Moss um, and a 2023 conditional sixth-round pick. So... Bills really didn't have to give up a lot to get Naheem Himes, but they got another weapon for Josh Allen on that offense to, to work with. TJ Hawkinson uh, traded from the Lions to the Vikings in the division. I don't know why the Lions did that, why they gave him up, but um, the Vikings needed a tight end with Irv Smith going, going down for a while. And so Hawkinson, once he gets the system under his belt, will be a lethal, lethal weapon in that high-powered Vikings offense. The Bears continued to unload a lot of their players. They traded Rokon Smith uh, to the Baltimore Ravens for a couple of picks, a second and a fifth round pick. Um, Jeff Wilson traded from the 49ers to the Dolphins, and the 49ers in return get a 2023 fifth round pick. Uh, Rashard Fenton traded to the Falcons from the Chiefs, and in the return, the Chiefs get a 2023 conditional seventh round pick. I mentioned earlier Chase Claypool traded from the Steelers to the Bears. And in, in return, the, the Steelers get a second-round pick from the Bears. Kadarius Toney, um, I meant to mention this last uh, last episode, but he got traded from the Giants to the Chiefs. The Giants get got two picks back from return. Kadarius Toney is arguably the best uh, receiver on the, on the Chiefs. That's crazy to think about. You have guys like Nicole Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Um, and others just, but Kadarius Tony is arguably the most talented in that group, which is funny to say, because he, he only played a possible, I think 12 or 24 games with the giants. So as soon, we'll see what he does this Sunday against the Titans. Cause, um, Andy Reid will probably have something up his sleeve for everyone to see. Um, a few other notes, uh, in college football. So Auburn, they fired Brian Harson, which was. No surprise, he was a dead man walking 9-12 in two seasons at Auburn. Uh, was just not the right fit for the job. Was not aggressive enough in recruiting and in NIL and just not uh, not allowing Auburn to compete in their division and in the conference in general. So, Brian Harson, see you later. And Auburn's looking for a big hire um, very soon in the next few weeks. Um, the Big 12... It appears that they have inked a six-year, $2.8 billion TV extension deal with both ESPN and Fox. Um, no surprise there, the Big 12, adding some teams like U of H, BYU, Cincinnati. Um, so they're, they still have some national relevance, that conference does. Um, some MLB news. Uh, Nolan Arenado will stay with the Cardinals. Um, he's still going to have his five-year, $144 million contract with the Cardinals. Um, the Royals hired, I believe, Mike Quattraro as their new manager. He was the 
Ray's bench coach this last year. Um, and in the NBA, um, the Nets, they fired Steve Nash. Um, just two and six start, pretty bad for Steve Nash. Um, was outcoached tactically all the time at, under uh, under his reign. Ime uh, Udoka, the suspended Celtics head coach, could be the new Nets head coach, which is crazy to think about after everything he's been through this year or everything that he's alleged to have done. And then Kyrie Irving suspended at least five games for, quote, failing to denounce anti-Semitism. So I don't agree with necessarily with Kyrie's stance, but suspending him over a tweet is, I think, a little bit excessive of the league and, um, and frankly, was just a way too harsh of a punishment. Um, that it's really scary for for people if you start getting suspended over free speech really on Twitter. So anyway, uh, so that will do for this week. Uh, the Astros, they are one win away from the World Series. Framber, Framber Valdez gets the ball uh, tomorrow night versus the versus the Phillies, and um, I think Astros win in six. Um, perfect spot for the Astros to win. Um, I don't think they're going to take it to a game seven on Sunday night. They're just going to try and close it out on Saturday. Um, Framber Valdez has been their best pitcher this year, um, quality starts-wise, and he'll pitch at least six innings, give up maybe one run or two runs at the most. But Astros, I think they're going to get it done, and they're going to win the World Series. I'm, I'm banking on they're going to win next week. But we'll find out. Um, you know, before the end of the weekend. All right, guys, that is it. Thank you so much for checking out the episode and the podcast. Uh, tell your friends and family about the show. And we're just pumping out content week after week after week. Um, just a ton of sports going on right now. And I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. And I will talk to you in the next episode where we will have crowned a new World Series champion. Take care. Mm-hmm.